I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so very excited for this episode this week. One of my favorite people in the entire world joined me on this week's episode. So I'm very excited to introduce you to her and I'm going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of a what to expect from the episode in a few minutes here. But first, let's just catch up you and I before we dive into the actual conversation with Steph. So I do believe that if you listened to the podcast episode last week, I said this week would be a solo episode all about getting my house. I got a lot of questions about the house and buying my first home, that sort of thing. And I actually do have quite the story to share with you about this whole house buying process. And it's just been a really exciting time of my life. So I want to let you in on all of that excitement. So this week, I do believe that I shared with you, I was planning on doing a solo episode. However, For the past four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of this past weekend, I was in somatic therapy practitioner training. So I am in a three-year somatic therapy practitioner program through the somatic experiencing program and I'm loving it but we have these really four intense days of training and to be completely honest I am feeling so drained from being in class for the past four days so luckily I had this podcast episode with Steph already recorded which is why you aren't getting a solo episode from me this week But trust me, that episode is coming. Hopefully by next week, I'll be feeling back to my normal energizer type of self. But for this week, I'm just kind of allowing myself to take things a little bit easier. And it's really important that I give myself this time and space to allow everything that I learned over the past four days just to integrate. That's a huge part of the practice that I do for myself is after every training, I just give myself this time to allow everything to integrate. But this is also something that I allow my clients to do too. And I really encourage them 
to give themselves this downtime, this rest time to allow everything that we do together in session to integrate. And since it is the beginning of 2022, I do just want to give you a reminder of some of the ways that you and I can work together this year. I currently have a couple spots open for private coaching, and that's exactly how I'm working with clients right now. So I do have two private coaching programs. One is called Back Home to You, and this is probably the coaching program that you've heard about the most. I have been offering this coaching program since July of 2020, and I've been working with women inside Back Home to You from all around the world. And this is really my somatic based coaching program. So it's a 12 week coaching program and you can read all about it at magdahl.com slash back home to you. It truly is exactly how it sounds. I named this course very appropriately. All of my clients at the end of the course say that they fully understand why I call this course back home to you because it really does give you that journey, that framework, and all of the tools that you need in order to feel as though you are coming back home to yourself. So it is my trauma-informed self-love coaching program. And then my second coaching program that I do work with women inside is my hypothalamic amenorrhea coaching program. So this one is called flowing and free. So if you are on the journey of working towards getting your period back, which is actually something that Steph and I talk about in this episode, flowing and free might be the program that you want to look into as well. So in the links in the show notes, you can click on those links and schedule a discovery call with me. And I would love to hop on a call with you, talk about your goals, where you're at, what you're working through, and the best ways for me to support you. With all of that being said, I do want to introduce you to Steph Tucci now. She sometimes is known as Stephanie. So Steph is a longtime friend of mine. We've actually never met in person before, but it's one of these relationships that I always have to check myself because it actually does feel like I've met her in person before just because our friendship goes way, way back. And Steph and I actually talk about that during this episode. So I won't give you too much more information, but I did feel like this episode was perfect for the new year because we do some reflecting in this episode and I love doing some reflecting at the beginning of a brand new year. So again, even though we're a couple weeks into 2022 now, I'm just sending you tons of love. I'm thinking of you and I want you to know that you matter so much to me. So I will see you or you'll hear from me next week in a brand new episode, but enjoy this episode with Steph. Hey Steph, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to finally have you on. Hey girl, I know I, you know, I was thinking today, if you think about 
when we first started chatting, how long ago that was and how different our lives were, like just where we were, the places we were in our lives. Like, I think we've both done like a complete, like 180. It's crazy. I feel like with you saying that, we kind of have to give everyone kind of a, <laughs> kind of like a backstory, right? Because probably, gosh, probably. stuff that was almost a decade ago. Yeah, you know what? Can if I you really like two thousand, what two thousand eleven? I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. So is a decade we, it just ago. Aged ourselves, yeah. <laughs> It's just so crazy. So I just want to, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone before we kind of give that background? Because I think it'd be cool for everyone to just realize, you know, how much transformation actually can happen in a decade, even though that sounds like a really long period of time too. Mm -hmm. But just Mm -hmm. to be from where we were to where we are now, it's just absolutely insane and incredible and magical (laughs) no absolutely absolutely okay so for those that don't know me I'm Stephanie Tucci um I have a business called by Stephanie so my nickname is literally Stephanie instead of chef (laughs) Stephanie (laughs) that's just it's stuck that's what we're rolling with um and I've been in the industry the food industry industry sorry for about 13 years and I would say in the last four years I've transitioned more into um pastry and it's become my true love. And in my business, I focus on making desserts, um, without going too crazy into the the fads and the labels and the diet culture and really just focusing on choosing better dessert at the end of the day is dessert. And I just want to give people an option that, man, they feel good about, and that's delicious. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's my true love. (laughs) Yes. And your love, like literally oozes out of every single thing you put on your plate and every pastry you make it's just amazing so for our listeners who actually are in Ontario can you just tell Mm -hmm. everyone quickly where you're located and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. so I'm just north of Toronto um in the suburbia land of Richmond Hill so about 30 minutes north of Toronto um and right now I offer pickup and delivery uh within the GTA um hoping in the spring that changes. So I'm working really hard to make that happen, uh, to make my products more accessible for people, because I recognize if you're not close, it's, you know, not that convenient. So I'm trying to make it more accessible to people outside of the GTA as well. So yeah, so that's where you guys can find me. Mm -hmm. So exciting. I know I'm like two provinces over from you. And I'm always looking at your menus and the things that your clients Mm -hmm. are ordering from you. And gosh, it would just be so amazing to be so much closer to you. But shipping shipping is next. Shipping is next. Yes. But (laughs) speaking of like our distance. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you and I have actually never met in person (laughs) before, which is so wild because we've connected like we said 10 years ago and we've stayed connected through all of these years and all of these transitions and things like that and I just want to share with everyone that when you and I connected I was going through my dietetic studies in university and I was kind of like unknowingly suffering from orthorexia at the time 
And I have really vivid memories stuff of you and I hopping on back then Skype, I'm sure, because, (laughs) you know, FaceTime and Zoom wasn't a thing back then. But we would have Skype calls. And I remember one time you literally walked me through how to just put food on my plate because I was so bent on following like a meal plan. And I was really trying to let go of that. And you were just this huge inspiration to me. And you literally walked me through how to just put food on a plate. And, you know, when you said that we connected, you know, way back then and all of these um, transitions we've made and we were completely in different places now, Mm -hmm. that memory came to mind. And I was like, wow. Honestly, first, that means so much. (laughs) That means a lot that like, I like, even if it's, you know, a 2%, whatever it is, just some sort of impact that like I had on your life. And again, I feel like you're just like this pen pal I had forever and we need to (laughs) meet in person. But um, yeah, I mean, but to, to be honest, Meg, like, I mean, coming from a background of being a fitness competitor and before being a chef, I went to school for kinesiology and nutrition studies and, you know, coming out of that world, it took me a long time and it took a lot of healing. It took a lot of, it took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of work for me to get to a place where I could put food on a plate and not have to think about what the macros were, or was this on my diet plan for the day and how much exercise I would have to do to work off what I just ate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So why don't you take us back to that fitness obsessed, Mm -hmm. maybe version Mm -hmm. of yourself, because you've gone through so much since those days. So to be honest, I mean, I I don't know how it started. I was in, you know, when when you're studying, I feel when you're studying kin and fitness with a bunch of bros, you know, this is what happens. You all think you're a bunch of bros studying fitness and everybody was kind of egging each other on in my year of school to do shows. And a whole bunch of us did the shows together. Um, And I thought that, you know, I was like trainer and I could do it. I didn't need a coach and it was all going to be good. And so I did my headphone. I, uh, I started training my butt off and I did my first show and I won. And then it became this like perpetual cycle of needing to do the next show and win the next show and win. And then I needed a coach. So I hired a coach and was a part of a team, which I felt like, you know, gave me some sort of fame when it did not. Like I think about that and I'm just like, Steph, that was so embarrassing. Um, But, you know, I was a part of this fitness team and all of us were winning and doing so well. And I became obsessed with the way that I looked to the point where I wouldn't go out to dinner unless my coach had emailed me saying, you deserve a cheat meal. You can go out to dinner tonight. And then I would go and binge because I knew that it was like my one hour to eat whatever it was that I wanted. And I remember one night I missed an email, like I didn't see the email. And so I had already like, you know, eaten my food for the day. And I ordered so much sushi at like 11 o'clock at night because oh my gosh, how could I forget like that I was allowed this cheat and I got so sick. I was like 
violently sick from the amount of food that I gorged. And it was a horrible feeling. It was a horrible feeling. I would go to these posing classes and my coach would pinch my stomach and he would say, you're too fat this week. And when I think about that, my body fat was at 11%. And, you know, we both know through studying and going to school and being educated that walking around at 11% body fat as a female, and then being told that I'm too fat and then cuts all my carbs, my sugars. I was allowed to eat four grapes as my post-workout. What that starts to do to you, I mean, this is this is really how eating disorders are created in people who maybe who had never experienced one before. And I never had a problem with my body prior. I was at, always active, always healthy. And now I was psychotic and I was obsessed. And it didn't really hit me until I realized one day I went to my grandmother's house and she put out a bowl of cherries and I ate maybe a cup worth of cherries. And I got in the car and I cried my eyes out because cherries weren't on the meal plan. And now I had to go do an hour of cardio. And I was on the Stairmaster being like, what is this life? This is a terrible life. And I can't do this to myself anymore. I, you know, at that point I had lost my period for been about five years and my family doctor and my naturopath were begging me like, Steph, this has to stop. Like, this is not healthy. And at the time I was already in this pretty bad headspace of realizing how toxic the fitness fitness industry was. And that's, you know, I'm not putting any shame on it. If you work in that industry now and you love it and it's your passion, that's amazing. But for me, it became this like, toxic environment of having to keep up with this body image and this, this way of living and preaching something that just was making me so sick. And so at that point, my coach had said, okay, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's the next phase. And I was either, I had to go on a round of testosterone or I wasn't going to be able to be on their team anymore. And I said, that's it. Like I took that as my sign as I'm done. And I walked away, I stopped competing. And that's when I realized I need to switch careers and my whole life, I had actually wanted to become a chef. I just, you know, I did I was like, Oh, let me, let me go to school for something else first. That's, you know, my second favorite thing. And that what that was fitness and nutrition. And I walked away from the world of competing. I also though, didn't go to a gym. A lot of people don't know this. I didn't go into a gym for a year. I took a year off the gym because it became such a scary place for me and a place that fed, I was, I would say the orthorexic patterns that I had. I just did yoga, not obsessively, maybe twice a week. And I saw a therapist and I uh, had to really retrain the way that I ate, the way that I looked at fitness, the way that I looked at health, and then moved my butt to New York and went to culinary school. So talk about like 360, right? Or 180, I should say. Yeah. No mm -hmm. doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much yeah. has happened. So I feel like I kind of met you while that transition was happening, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. starting to listen to your body, starting to navigate this new relationship with food. So it was really mm -hmm. interesting for me to just hear where things were prior yeah. to starting that transition. And I think a lot of the women listening to our show, you know, they're in that 
spot right now where they are trying to learn how to navigate a new relationship with exercise. So many women listening to this show don't have their periods and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be more beneficial for them to take that step out of the gym and just focusing on moving their body in a less intense way. So if you want to talk more about that process with us, Mm -hmm. that would be awesome. So it actually wasn't something I wanted to do. I was really against like not going to the gym. And then uh, the lady who I was working with at the time, she had said to me, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you don't go to the gym? And then my initial response, which, you know, thinking back now is like so crazy, but my initial response is I'm going to get fat. And, you know, and that was in one of our first conversations and she, that's when she recognized, okay, this problem's probably much deeper than just going to the gym to work out. Right. But I realized that I could not physically go to the gym without either comparing the way that I looked the day prior, the week prior, I could not go to the gym without meticulously following a workout plan. So if it was leg day, there was no way in hell I was going to train shoulders. Right. And that's when it became this, like, that's when I realized, okay, this going to the gym is actually a problem. Like if I went to the gym and didn't take a picture to make sure that I I looked the way I needed to look. It was like, what was the point of even going to the gym? So working with her, I started to really understand that, okay, Stephanie, there's actually no such thing as like, day, and there is no such thing as defining the way that you train. It really is just movement. I need to get back to the place where like fitness is something that's fun. And the only way I can do it is I literally need to break up with the gym. I needed, I needed to, it was like, I needed to call off that relationship because it was one that became so toxic. And at first it was very difficult for me because a lot of my friends were still competing. The person I was dating at the time was hardcore in, you know, uh, the world as well. And so I became like the last man standing. And then I realized not only was the gym toxic, but my career was pretty toxic. My friends were pretty toxic. That relationship was pretty toxic. I needed to rid myself from everything associated with what was actually making me so sick when it came to fitness. And as hard as that was, it's, it really became such a crucial part of, of this process for me. And you need to have people who are on board. You need to have people who respect your plan. You need to have the right tribe in order to make I would say your health, mental and physical goals happen. You know, I, I really do believe that. And um, yeah, it was, it was pr- like, for me, that was pretty profound to be able to like walk away from all of those things. Um, and then she had suggested that I maybe start doing some things that required like more mindful movement. So at the time I had never done yoga. So I started dabbling into different yoga classes. I found what worked for me. A lot didn't, some did. And I spoke to a yoga teacher who said, you do not need hot yoga. You do not need power yoga. You actually need the slowest form and you need a yoga that becomes a meditative practice because you're so used to go, go, go high intensity, everything being so extreme you need to do the complete opposite to change your, to change the way that your brain thinks about movement. And I was like, yeah, like, okay, sure. Like I'll try one of your classes. I tried one of his classes. It was very difficult for me because it was patterns of movement. So the whole class would be five movements and you had to 
sit in each movement for like five to six minutes and just do breath work, just straight breath work. And I was like, this is exactly the type of exercise that my brain needs, never mind what my body needed. And so from ditching the hardcore intense workouts in the gym, getting rid of kind of the circle that I had surrounded myself in the, my fitness career, making a decision to switch careers into following a passion I really wanted to pursue my whole life and learning to slow my brain down was like this mass awakening. It was a mass awakening for me, honestly. Huge. And I really do believe in taking those breaks. Like that's so Mm -hmm. necessary because Mm -hmm. imagine if you did just stop going to the gym, but then you started doing really intense yoga, right? That like that connection would always be there that anytime you move your body, it's a huge stressor. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can't just replace one hardcore thing for another hardcore thing because you're just still feeding that same perpetual cycle. That's the problem. Um, And what I want people to, I mean, the people who listening, listening right now is like, I didn't stop competing like super healthy and super fit. I didn't, I was a mess. Like when you don't have your period for five years, you're your body weight doesn't regulate normally. And this is why so many people who, you know, in the competition world are relying on other (laughs) supplements to help make that possible for them. Um, And I just refused that route. So when I stopped competing, I was about 35 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I would say that's not necessarily good weight. I would say most of that was extreme stress on my body, extreme inflammation. Um, And it was the opposite for me. When I got my period back, my body weight without going to the gym, my body weight normalized and without extreme dieting with working with my naturopath, my body weight just settled back into the place where it should have been the whole time. And it was, that was also pretty amazing to see, like, I didn't have to use a Stairmaster an hour a day to make this happen. I needed to correct my damn hormones to make this happen, you know? Right. Right. And part of that was dialing things back Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the food component stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing I did with my naturopath was like a lot of work on not necessarily following a meal plan, but being more conscious into what I was putting into my body. So my body had been deprived of fats for over five years and to really support my hormone health, I went pretty hardcore, I would say into, I don't, I don't want to like put crazy labels on it, but I was following more of a paleo style diet, not to say that I was like grain free and I wasn't eating grains and I wasn't eating legumes, but it was to get me into this point where I was consuming fats that came from whole food sources. And just to get me back to a safe place where I felt like I can consume whole foods without feeling like, oh, they just want me to go eat burgers to gain weight. Right. Right. Yeah. Because when you were competing, it was probably mm -hmm. all extremely lean sources of protein. And then when you were allowed to, you were actually like adding olive oil to things or nut Mm -hmm. butter to things. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, obviously, I didn't want to 
put weight on by eating poor foods. I still, I mean, again, like having the holistic nutrition background, I still wanted to consume whole foods, but like as a competitor, I wasn't because I was eating things that were like fat free or like, like fake maple syrup, <laughs> like things like that. That's just not real food, but just don't have, they don't have calories. So you think you can eat, you know, eat it in volume. So it got me back to a place of just being able to consume whole foods. And like, I had never had ghee before. And then all of a sudden I was putting ghee all over my food and olive oil all over my food and eating salmon, not dried tilapia. You know what I mean? It's just those, those, those shifts. That's crazy. Like the fact that I was afraid to eat salmon for five years and all of a sudden, like I'm eating it multiple times a week with ghee is like, oh my gosh. Right. And so adding that much fat back into my diet and making sure I had it at every single meal um, and also snacks were something I wasn't counting anymore. It was just like, when you're hungry, stuff, eat a snack. And when I started realizing like, hmm, when I'm actually hungry versus when a paper tells me to eat, um, it was pretty, it was pretty drastic. And the diet alone wasn't the only way I got my period back. I was following like a pretty intense supplement protocol with my naturopath. Um, that's, I think the, the two combined really helped make that possible. And it took me about a year and a half to get it back, to get the first cycle back. And then another year of like still working with it to get it regular. You know? Yeah. I think that's yeah. really important for so many people to hear because in the hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery world, you hear a lot about people going all in, right? Mm -hmm. So eating a lot of food, which, you know, I definitely, like I ate a lot of food to get my period mm -hmm. back and it still took me a whole year mm -hmm. to get it back. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a long time compared to a lot of people working towards getting their period back. You know, mm -hmm. you hear people getting it back like three months, four months, six months, right. like around that right. time. And mm -hmm. so thanks for sharing that it was like a year and a half for you. Yeah. But what, what I think, what I think people need to recognize is it's, it's much easier to lose your period. And then it's very difficult to get it back to, obviously depending on the person, of course. Right. But missing one period actually does more than we think that it does. And once you miss one, for me, it was like, I missed one and then it was game over. I didn't get another one for five years. So, you know, as, as quick as it was for me to lose it, it wasn't that easy for me to get it back. Right. So it, it took a year of dedication. I did not miss a supplement. I did not miss like whatever, whatever my naturopath had instructed me to do regarding like making sure I was nourishing my body. I was nourishing my head, like my mind space. I was getting adequate rest or recovery. It is like, it was for me a daily task because I was keen on making sure that this happened and I recovered properly. Yeah. And that's amazing. So I just want to make sure that we are kind of coming around to now getting into becoming a chef. And mm -hmm. also you're back into actually, you know, moving your body more mm -hmm. outside of yoga too. Like, Everyone yeah, yeah. listening right now, you need to know stuff is strong. Like I, <laughs> I watch your pull-up stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, you are strong. And it just amazes me because, you know, you have been 
through so much with your health over the years, even recently. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when I see you just killing it with the (laughs) pull-ups and stuff, I'm like, dang, this girl, like, you're just strong. And I think, you know, you're strong physically, but you're also really strong mentally stuff too. Yeah, I think, you know, anyone can sit here and say, like, I want to have a better relationship with food. I want to have a better relationship with fitness. I want to have a stronger mindset. You can say that till you're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, you need to do the work to make it happen, right? And so for me, the gym now is a fun place again. Um, to be honest, when the pandemic hit, I, I you know, I kind of became obsessed with working out outside just because I like to be outside in general. Um, but for me, I started looking at fitness as a measure of strength. So not like having an arm day or like a glute day. <laughs> now it's more like functional fitness. For me, a measure of strength is being able to crush it on proper clean pull-ups. And can you do variations of push-ups properly? Like to me, these are now a measure of strength, not how much like I was I was deadlifting before, you know? So I'm looking at like strength coming from body weight fitness. Um, of course I still use weights, but not in the way that I did before. Um, and I, I would say I train probably more like full body and, or it's like a lower body power day or an upper body power day. But again, mostly coming from kettlebells and a pull-up bar. Those are like my two favorite things to use. That's awesome. So do you feel like switching to more so body weight training versus like really heavy weights, do you feel like that also played a factor into not only healing your relationship with fitness, but also just having more mm-hmm. fun in the gym too? Like, yeah, do you think and- things would be different if you were like lifting heavier and not so much like prioritizing the body weight stuff? Because I, I see if I, you so, having so much mm-hmm. fun, right? Like, yeah, I see so- that, yeah. Like now, if I lift heavy, it's not a triggering thing for me anymore. Right. So like, let's say I'm just like me and my girlfriend go to the gym and we're just like having fun one day. And sometimes we'll do this. She'll be like, Oh, do you just want to have an old school bicep day? And like, now I can do that without it being like, Oh my gosh, but I already did this like X, Y, Z this week. Am I going to be able to like do this later in the week? So now it's just like, I can go there and do that for fun. And it doesn't affect me. However, when I was transitioning back into fitness, yes, like I 100% think going from, okay, the yoga, more slower movement into the body weight movement was a good step. I think if I went right back into a regimented plan, it would have spiraled me backwards. Absolutely. And I mean, keep in mind as a fitness competitor, I could not do a pull-up. I could not do consecutive push-ups. I couldn't. And because you're not training for that, you're training to be like aesthetically pleasing, right? You're not training for strength. That's the difference. So yeah, now, I mean, I feel like a boss. Like now I like, I love being able to do like crazy pull-ups and like all kinds of push-up variations and movements that focus on core strength and balance and stability like this to me is is a is a better picture of health well and it also shows up in your life too right like it's Uh, the way you're training is also proving hmm. to you that it is a better picture of health for you and it's working for you yeah right right I love that so so much Mm -hmm. 
It's been a pretty cool journey. Yeah. And now catch us up to chef life and becoming (laughs) a chef. So again, like totally, you know, from someone who was in the fitness world competing, having four grapes post-workout and then (laughs) stressing over like a handful of cherries, right? And now you're literally in this beautiful place with food, I think. I just, like I said, I mean, you and I have been friends for 10 years at least now. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. every time I see a picture of your food, I can literally feel the love that was put into (laughs) creating that plate. And, you know, it's taken you quite some time to get to where you are Mm -hmm. now with Mm -hmm. food. Um, yeah, I mean, like culinary school was a pretty big shift for me because I mean, I was, I would say I was coming, I was pretty close to, I don't want to see the end of recovery because you're always working on yourself really. Um, but I was feeling I was in a really good place. And then first day of culinary school, I realized real quick, like no one cares if you're on a meal plan here, (laughs) like no one cares if a chef asks you to taste something, you're not going to turn around and say, chef, what's like the macro breakdown of this? Or like, you know, you're not going to ask those questions and you're not going to say no, because it doesn't fit into my time to eat. Right. So I quickly was just like, I feel like I was thrown into the wolves, like in every aspect into my, this career, into understanding how hard the food industry actually is, but then a total like mind shift of like, Oh, well, okay. I guess like I'm eating whenever. And this is actually great because I'm not afraid to try food anymore was really freeing. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I spent a year in New York. It was absolutely amazing. Um, my whole, my whole shtick since culinary school has always been, um, to choose better. And I don't mean that needs to be gluten-free or paleo or dairy-free or keto or whatever. It just means choose food that makes you feel good. It does not matter what your lifestyle is. It does not matter what your dietary restrictions are. Eat the way that makes you feel optimal. And like, that's where I come into play is I really think about what goes into a recipe. I really think about what it is that I want to make to feed people. And I really do care about where those ingredients came from and what I'm feeding you. Like these, that that's something that's more important to me than what's the calorie count in the food or how many carbohydrates are in that meal. Right. Right. So going yeah. from a brain that was mm-hmm. always so focused on the calorie content and the macro mm-hmm. breakdown and things. Mm-hmm. So simply by, and it's not simple, right? No, <laughs> because but, it does yeah. take years <laughs> and time. And like yes. you said, therapy to get to where you are, but mm-hmm just simply choosing better really supported you in getting to that mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so now, I mean, I get asked this a lot, like in my, my food business, I do make things that are gluten-free more than not. And I think that's just what customers are asking for. And that's fine. There's, you know, no issue with that, but in my day-to-day, I'm not gluten-free. And in my day-to-day, for example, if I want to eat bread, which I do pretty much every day, I buy a really nice sourdough from a bakery that I love. And I'm going to choose that over 
maybe just a generic white loaf of bread. And I'm not saying the white loaf is bad because if I'm at my grandmother's house and she has like white bread on the table, I'm going to eat it, you know? But in my day-to-day, I just, I actually care about like the process of making sourdough. I care about how delicious it is and what it's doing for my body and how it makes me feel. And that's how I look at food now. And it's, yeah, I mean, and it's so much more delicious to eat, to live this way. Right. This actually brings up something like a conversation that I've had with one of my clients recently. We were working through my hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery program called Flowing and Free. And while we were getting into like the food modules Mm -hmm. of the program, we started to learn things like the truth about protein, the truth about carbohydrates, right? Because I think when you are in that space of not having a period, like you need to relearn a lot of things about food and why all of these things are really great. Right. So Mm -hmm. anyways, fast forward, she starts eating bread again, right. And incorporating Mm -hmm. bread into Mm -hmm. her meals. And that was like one of those foods that she was like eating, but she was still having kind of a hard time with it because it was just bread. You know, it wasn't like this nutrient dense Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. of food or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And similar to what you were saying, I kind of had her focus, like she lives right around the corner from this bakery. So she would wake up in the morning, walk to this bakery, grab this like fresh loaf of bread for her toast. And I was talking about how incredible that is and like how, you know, there's so much enjoyment in that and not everything we put into our mouths has has to be like this nutrient bomb. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I remember, I'll never forget in culinary school, I had this teacher who was like amazing. She was uh, a chef and she was also a homeopathic doctor. Okay. So she taught like these amazing courses on really like, I would say maybe like holistic geared recipes. And one day she said, she's like, guys, she's like, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, teaching you how to make like a miso grain bowl. (laughs) She's like, because at the end of the day, she's like, you need to be able to sit down with a really nice beer and a delicious burger and chow down and enjoy every bite, enjoy it going down, finish that meal and be grateful for that delicious burger and that like ice cold beer and walk away without the stress. And then maybe the next day you have this miso grain bowl with salmon for lunch. And she's like, but both serve its purpose. Both have, both come from a place of eating with enjoyment. And it's not just about meeting a, you know, nutrient meter in a day. And I remember seeing this class being like, yeah, like, hello, like, I felt like this alarm went off in my brain. I was like, that, well, that's exactly it. If you're going to eat the burger, eat the damn burger and enjoy every bite of that burger. And then that's it. Tomorrow's another day. You continue on with your life. Enjoy right? it. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so much space in the day to enjoy these things like oh a gosh. piece of sourdough oh gosh, yeah. or yeah. bread. You know, I'm thinking back to the times in my life when at the time I was eating grain free, but mm-hmm. you know, I would replace this bread that I so enjoy with slices of sweet potato, you know, because right. I was always looking 
not mm-hmm. even necessarily for like this grain free option, but I was looking to, okay, well, what's more nutrient dense than yes. a slice of bread? Yes. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like not yes. every single thing mm-hmm. on your plate has to be mm-hmm. replaced with something else that's more quote unquote nutrient dense. Like, right, right. It doesn't well, have well, to happen. E- no, then that's exactly it. And it's a common question that I get asked too, even with like, I have a lot of people who will say, well, can you substitute coconut sugar for monk fruit sweetener because it's better for you? And I'm like, hmm, is it though? You know, I'm like, it is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> you know, and so, and a lot of people who order for me don't know my background. And so like, it's, that's like, you know, a whole separate thing, but I kind of have to, you know, at that point, that's sort of where I draw the line. And I'm like, no, like, uh, you know, I'm not sugar free at the end of the day. Here's the thing at the end of the day, desserts, dessert, it does not matter whether it's keto or whether you got a cookie from Starbucks, honestly, because you need to be able to eat that cookie and walk away. You shouldn't be able to eat that cookie and say, oh, you know what? Because it's keto, I can eat six more. That's the problem. You need to be able to eat a cookie. And then feel content and like, all right, I'm good. And I think this is the problem where like the substitute with a problem with over substituting comes in. You feel like, oh, because this cake is keto, hmm, I can eat three quarters of it. No problem. You should just have a slice of delicious regular cake and say, you know what? That was amazing. <laughs> you know? And, and regular and, cake and like, is amazing, yeah, people. <laughs> it is. And like satisfied and you can walk away without feeling the urge to like binge for more right Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of like ice cream right with real ice cream because I know you're like a gelato girl (laughs) Um, but you also love ice cream of course yeah but with real ice cream it's so satisfying and you don't need to eat a whole like pint or whatever of ice cream but if you're buying something like Halo Top or whatever those brands yes. are, which I've yes. never tried in my life. Not so good. I'm not saying they're they're not good. No. I've never tried them. But like, you know, when you buy something like that, you're buying it so you can eat the whole thing because yes. you're not going to be satisfied yes. from mm-hmm. actually having whatever portion you want to have. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, I'll just, this is one more and then we'll, we'll move onward. But I had someone <laughs> ask me if I would make that I'm a keto cannoli. And I said, uh, like, first I was like a little bit like taken aback and I was like, you want keto cannoli? And she goes, yeah, because then I can eat the whole box. And like, I to, to try to be funny because I was so like upset that this was a, a real question. And I said, well, first of all, I can't physically make keto cannoli because if I do, Italy will sink. It'll be a tragic thing. Italy will sink if I make keto cannoli. So the answer is no. But I said, in all seriousness, like, unfortunately I just don't offer it. And then the lady was like, disappointed, but whatever she left. And the first thing I said was like ice cream, eating a large cannoli is pretty rich in filling you. Like if I eat half of a full size cannoli, I'm already feeling like, you know what? Like I'm kind of good. It's delicious, but I'm good. I don't want to feel like I can eat six. I don't like, I don't want to have to binge on six cannoli to be like, Oh, I just had the best dessert because it probably wasn't that good. You know? Right. Yeah. And it kind of takes us full circle back to your competing days when you ate all of that sushi. And it's like you want your customers and your clients Mm -hmm. to be walking away from whatever you make them feeling real good about what they just ate. Yeah. 
I mean, I know like I'm, I actually feel like, oh, I'm like, this actually makes me feel like I want to get emotional. But like now when I like sit down to like eat a plate of pasta, it's so enjoyable for me. You know, like I can eat that plate of pasta and not be like, I need to have the biggest mountain possible because this is the only time I'm going to get to eat pasta. Or like, I don't have this negative relationship with carbs where like, you know, I'm going to be going back to Italy and I'll, I'll be there for most of December. And I'm most likely I'm going to be having pasta every day for lunch. Cause that's what happened the last time I was there. And you want to know what happened guys? I had pasta every single day in Italy for a year. Nothing, <laughs> nothing bad happened. Like I didn't blow up. I didn't become like, you know, I, I didn't gain a, like 30 pounds. Everyone's afraid to go to Italy and gain weight, but you understand just how to eat well and like how to eat without feeling like you need to binge a plate of pasta is like, it's, it's super humbling to be able to eat, to just eat, you know? Oh my gosh. Just yeah. eat. Yes, exactly. Just eat. Yeah. Gosh, I could keep chatting with you forever. <laughs> I do I have a couple more questions though. Yeah, yeah. So as shoot, a chef, shoot, shoot. As mm-hmm. a chef, it's, mm-hmm. you know, coming to the end of fall, we're moving into winter. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. tell us like one of your favorite things that you're eating right now. Oh gosh. Um, I'm a huge uh, squash lover. Um, so I do a lot of things with squash, to be honest. So I actually never used to like soup, but like pureed butternut squash soup. I love, I actually try to always have some in the fridge because I find like it's a quick meal to have with like some protein or some like toast or whatever for lunch. Um, I also turn it into like purees and do like butternut squash hummus, butternut squash spreads. I have that always in the fridge. Um, I just find it's ultra comforting. Um, I'm also at this time of year, big on like warm oats for breakfast. So I do like warm oats with ghee and like berry compote. I always have that. I always have a fruit compote in the fridge. I like make it once a week. That's like my thing. And um, I'm like all about warming foods at this time of year. So and yeah, I just love like anything that's like comfort and keeps my body warm because I'm always cold. <laughs> that's awesome. It's funny you bring up soups because I never think of myself as a soup person, but then I'll make yeah. soups and I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then I just keep yeah. making them. Yeah. I'm the weird. same way. I don't like to say like, I, I don't think I would go to a restaurant and like order soup, but if it's like, but I love making like really rich broths and turning that into like a soup or doing like a rich broth with a tortellini pasta. For example, it's such a quick and easy meal. Um, it's just so good. I grew up on it. And now like, I, I love, I love making it. It's such a treat and it's like the simplest thing, but, um, yeah. So now it's become like, I think like to have a really good broth on hand, Oh my gosh. Like the options are endless, not even for soup. Like if you're making a stew, you want to add it to stir fry. Like you can add to whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. Last question. Mm, I ask all of my, (laughs) I ask all of my guests is what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Hmm. Um, I think for me personally, to be unbreakable, it means I've put so much work into myself, into my mental health, into my physical health to know that no matter what life throws at me, I can remind myself that I have been through worse and that I've been through really hard things and that I am resilient. So I would say for me, that's, that's what it means. 
I love that so much. Thank you. And where can everyone listening find you? Mm -hmm. So um, for like every day, like, you know, just eats and pull up madness. uh, (laughs) I would say you can, you can reach me at Steph, just at Stephanie Tucci on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. Um, And then for all the delicious dessert things you can find, uh, my business is by Stephanie. So on Instagram as well. Perfect. That will be linked up in the show notes for everyone. Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much, Meg. 